Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And we have a good one for you this week, everybody. We have a return guest. There's only been a handful of times where we've had return guests, so you already know the guest is going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. Friend of the pod. I think we should start doing the thing SNL does, where if we have a, a five-time return guest, yeah. we got to throw a fat party for them. <laughs> Give them a smoking jacket. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what? I think we should just jump right into it, Youngmi. Uh, yeah. Listeners, we're so excited for this episode because... As we said before, return guest, friend of the pod. Your guest this week is a cooking columnist for the New York Times and has a new cookbook slash memoir out. Go grab it in stores. It is called Korean American. Everyone, please give your ears to Eric Kim. Thank you for having me. I'm also nervous that you guys wouldn't want me back on. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I really wanted to come back. I don't know. It's, just, it's always in my head. I don't know. When you ask to come back on to something, you're like, well, we already had you, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so thank you thank you eric forced <laughs> us the insecurity is the, <laughs> the gun pointed at her head yeah <laughs> thank you and i'm excited to be here uh eric i need to give you an update that i think you would very much appreciate Ooh. so yes you know this episode we're going to talk about a lot of changes that we've gone through in this past year however one thing for me is that i've been cooking more and <gasps> yes. I've been very vocal about on the podcast how I consider myself a terrible yeah. cook. And <laughs> the narrative is changing. People are now perceiving me to be pretty good at cooking. Namely because my Ooh. secret my secret is I just use all of your recipes. Oh, <laughs> I use all your recipes. It's fire. It's amazing. Aww, You're like the so ratatouille sweet. rat Thanks. in Brian's hat. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be that rat. Um, God, I love that movie. Have you seen that recently? It's like only an hour and a half or something. It's super short and so good. I saw it for the first time a month ago. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a great I want to say, I just want to, I don't know if we said this last, I feel like maybe we said this to Eric last time, but I I went to Brian's kitchen while we were recording one time while he was in the bathroom (laughs) and it was just like like eight bags of granola and just like whole milk <laughs> i was like what and then sometimes brian will be like eating a snack when i go over there to record and it'll just be like uh, like boiled chicken no 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 oh my god boiled no, game broccoli. has changed game game has changed okay i'm talking we're talking frozen scallops in my <gasps> freezer Ooh, we're talking yeah. fully stocked onions garlic the works all the time all wow. day every day the granola life is I, I, a past me. <laughs> I really want to make Brian a nice peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's his like favorite really snack. Oh. <laughs> Do you still eat that? Honestly, I don't because I am now uh, gluten-free. I've gone gluten-free. Oh, yeah. <gasps> wow. Lots of, ch- yeah. Lots of mm. things have changed. Lots Eric, of changes. <laughs> Jeez. The game lots has, has changed. changed. I got a rice cooker. <gasps> I got a rice cooker for the first time in my entire Whoa. adult life. Oh no! Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Sorry, I don't know. Why I said, "Oh no, that's incredible." <laughs> oh, no. How do you feel? How do you feel? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll, I know you were like talking a little bit about like body image issues before we started recording, but the, mm. I think the reason why I never yeah. had a rice cooker is because I have so much trauma about like diet trauma and yeah. food eating trauma from my childhood, and. When I was a kid, I had a rice cooker. There's always rice in it, and I was always eating the rice. And I think like that was like a big part of I don't I don't know. There was like something mentally. So as a 37 year old, for the first time in my life, I bought a rice cooker. 
And it's oh, amazing. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in, in my family anyway, hin, hin, hin yeah. bap, hinsad is like so it's bad. So it's bad. Like an, not in my family, but like my parents are such dieters. Yeah. They're like crash dieters. They're like, oh, we're not eating rice today. So they'll have like a whole like taktori tang or something. Right. Like the whole pot of it. It's <laughs> just like, so they, it's a big part of that, my consciousness too, that white rice is supposedly bad for you. But actually, yeah. I don't know. I had a friend recently pointed out, she was like, How could it be bad for you when millions of Asians eat white rice and they've been eating it for centuries? Yeah. Like, there's no one. I've that, always that's wondered that. that. Yeah, because yeah. 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 the science tells I'm us it's bad, but, but how come we be living right. mad long? Yeah, our skin be <laughs> looking <long>. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's yeah. just like, you know, like living in the West, there is like, obviously, diet culture is huge everywhere in the world. And it, like, obviously, in Korea, mm. and I, it's like very toxic everywhere. But like in the West, they do place morality on food. It's like this weird, like Christian values yeah. background, mm. like where it's like, there's good food and there's bad food like things right. like that and it's just like very different exactly mm. it's important white to make that distinction bad. like i mean not a yeah like what yeah. is ba bad <laughs> i was gonna say i have a great story it's really short but i met with um ellie krieger just shout out to ellie krieger do you guys remember her from the food network a long time ago like yes. she was on tv with this healthy Uh, dinners and she was so smart she's a dietitian and also really nuanced about her conversation around you know food and healthy that word yeah and she described it to me like you know there are white rice is probably really good for and then she like gives an example of someone who suffers some kind of disease who needs like that white rice and yeah. i just like i love that notion that health is relative and it's mm. important to say that with regard to food because it's really authoritarian to say that someone shouldn't have something when you don't know their body and like how they react to it and anyway i mean know. it's just like i think that was so smart yeah i think like the american approach also it's like very like steeped in white supremacy and i think you have to really diet culture mm. in this country is like steeped in all of like misogyny yes. and, and racism and stuff like that so you really have to like take a a very critical lens to how people talk about food and i think people are are very Absolutely. smart they're like really coming around to that and realizing that you know what i mean yeah like okay i, I just want to so say the story really so quick this is a good example yeah i went to this um chinese restaurant the other day and this like there was like a white woman sitting next to me being like i'm on a very restrictive diet so i'm gonna eat i'm gonna get the french fries and i was like are you correlating <laughs> chinese food as bad unhealthy Yeah, to, yeah. The to the yeah. point where you're, you think yeah. the, the french fries is the he healthy option, right. you know? Right, wild, right, wild. right. Yeah. Yeah. What, it's, all, it's all relative. We do yeah. want to stress on the record that making a PB&J sandwich as your go-to snack in the comfort of your own home is incredibly masochistic. <laughs> <laughs> But Eric, uh, thanks for joining us again on the podcast. So, so many things that we want to uh, learn about you in the course of this past year. Give us a little update. But before we do so, young me, how are you feeling? Man, I'm feeling like... I'm feeling like... Uh, gosh... I'm feeling like, you know, honestly, I think this is, this is, God damn it. Why do I always have to have sad answers? Why can't I fucking just be that person that's like, I'm, I'm happy again. <laughs> um, <I think. laughs> no, no, no. Last time you uh, said you're happy. So oh, I did? this is good. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say that something like very, oh. I, something kind of like very traumatizing happened and it's, I, I, I feel the need to say it's not that traumatizing, but it is for me personally. My mom has COVID. And, mm. um, yeah. um, sorry. It, I was just like, 
I, I was in the movie theater when she called me and she told me and I was like, that's fine. Um, but then I left yeah. right away. Um, and I called her and I, yeah. you know, right now she's okay. She's really sick, but she's mm-hmm. fine. There's like a big wave in Korea right now. Like, um, but yeah. I obviously, you know, it's my mom and it's like scary that she's sick, but I, it really like took me by surprise, like how upset I was. I was like, just so mm. upset. And I, I'm just so scared, you know, it's, and it just, I feel fucking ridiculous because I, I feel like this entire time I've heard people say my, my fucking mom has COVID, my dad has COVID and I'm fine. And, and, you know, I've heard so many people lose their parents to COVID and I'm just like, and, um, I feel sort of bad. Cause like when people were saying that to me, I was like, yeah, that's not a big deal. They'll be fine. Like every, no one that di- like not, not that yeah, many people yeah. die of it, blah, blah, blah. And then now that it's happening to me, I'm just like, it feels like, uh, it just feels so traumatizing. And I just feel kind of bad that like, it, I couldn't even, um, I, I like, it was hard for me to really process the, the gravity of the situation when other people told me that, you know? Mm, um, mm. And so I feel like yeah, sort of yeah. like mean because now I'm like, my mom has COVID and it just feels like my entire world is falling apart. But um, obviously oh, she'll be fine. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just, I was just very taken by surprise at how, how scared I felt. Um, and then that, the day that she told me, because um, I think, this is going to come out in a little bit, so it's going to be hard for people to know the time frame. But the day that she told me was the year anniversary of the Atlanta shooting. So I went yeah. to the mm. vigil with my yeah. friends mm. um, yeah. and and everybody was like just crying so hard because they had like a, that Korean drum yeah. thing, you know. <laughs> mm. And we mm. all know, Jungle. yeah, whenever they, they start playing the drums, <laughs> we're going to just start crying because it's like everyone was crying. So one hard. Korean heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's just like a very like strong, like primitive sound, you know. Mm, and yeah. um, so after people were just crying so hard. And then uh, that night I went to go see a movie with my friend who my friend, her apartment building was broken into and somebody was trying to to get into her apartment and uh they were they were there for 30 minutes uh it was this whole really like traumatizing event so she's been traumatized so i was going to watch a movie with her because i knew that she felt weird about going home you know at night and stuff like that and during that movie is when my mom called me and i was like man and and then i went home and i was like this has been a very traumatizing day but i'm fine i feel fine and then i literally closed my (laughs) eyes and then i woke up 12 hours later i slept for 12 hours like without any dream like i just literally had like a trauma induced hibernation or Mm -hmm. something um your body was telling you it needed needed to sleep yeah Yeah, um can i can i respond yeah that's how i'm feeling i'm done (laughs) i i wanted to say that first of all it's not stupid and i i totally um my mom doesn't have covid or never got it knock on wood but that's what i felt the whole time i was there in atlanta for a year i it was so much anxiety about my mother getting it specifically because she's so like fragile and she's a little older. And so I think I said last time that death was on my mind the whole time while writing this book. Yeah. And it, that was the import I kind of needed. And I, But I have kind of like, so I want to tell this story because it's really 
resonant and explains well that pressure mm. and the pressure valve that needs to be like released. And so I was walking my dog through the neighborhood and I was wearing a mask and um, I had done this a thousand times before, but my mask smelled like my mom. And it's cause I like look, I like open, I, like, I realized that it smelled like her and I, mm. I took it off and I saw noticed that there was like foundation on it. And I was like, oh, it grabbed her mask again. Uh-huh. And I had done that a few times and I just, I was about to move back to New York in that moment, you know, maybe a day later, a couple of days later. And I was just yeah. like, God damn it. Like, I really hope she can get her vaccine soon. And then we can all kind of exhale a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back from that walk, we got a call from the doctor. And it's like, come in right now and get your first dose. Mm. And I just, yeah, I just like burst into tears because I didn't realize how much of a weight that was, you know, holding on me. And yeah. um, so I just want you to know, like, for me, maybe from a different way or in a different moment in time, I, I totally get what you're feeling. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, a parent dying is just um, one of the worst, worst things in the world. And I, um, yeah, I just really relate. Not, I mean, similarly, I mean, it's not directly related to COVID, but the idea of like confronting the reality that our parents are mortal yeah. is just been more yeah. prescient. And yeah, yeah. it's it's hard. I, I And, you know, since you received the news, I, I hope that she's on the mend and feeling yeah. better, yeah. hopefully. Thanks, but, Brian. Yeah. Well, I'm Brian, sorry, you me. had a, you, because you had, I don't know. I think you mentioned on the podcast you your one of your parents had a huge health scare not related to COVID. I remember that was like yeah. such a hard time for you. Yeah, it's I mean it's kind of related to how I've been feeling, you know, this past week. Uh mm-hmm. firstly, you know, this when we released this episode uh, you know, for, at the time of this recording, this week has just been really heavy. Um mm-hmm. namely because there's just been so much just the just so much coverage and every yeah. time i open the news there's like another asian like hate crime that's being reported yeah. and yeah you know in, in this day and age there's a lot of uh video footage accompanying it and mm-hmm. it's really fucking hard to watch you know and mm-hmm. it, yeah so that this week has been really heavy in that regard but then just like family related um like health scares and that's been on my mind you know my parents are getting older mm-hmm. my aunts uncles everyone's getting older and that's i guess that's just life people's bodies start to not function the way they used to thing there's more anxiety surrounding it there's a lot yeah. of uncertainty and yeah namely this week there's just been a lot of anxiety and uncertainty related to all of that but yeah so just in general it's just been a very heavy week but is that yeah, how you're I'm, feeling I'm ha- yeah it's just i don't know how to, oh, how to describe it i feel like i'm walking underwater a bit this week and yeah. clothes feel a bit damp and heavy and yeah but you know i i have uh you know i have people like you around who listen and I, I, yeah i'm very grateful that i have people who can um, just listen and, you know, I can express these things too. I have to say, I, I really relate in that, that heaviness and, but also social media. I had, I had to mm. put down my phone a lot. It looks like I'm on it a lot cause I'm like promoting stuff, yeah. but actually in between posts, I just like put my phone away because, right. and I really appreciate the people who post things like trigger warnings or mm. also calls for trigger warnings being like, please don't, <laughs> please never retweet the exact video. Like you need to. Yeah. 
provide some context first. Think about what you're putting out into the world before you do it. Mm. I, I had this, you know, kind of realization recently because the Atlanta shootings were. It affected all of us in different ways, but for me, it's it's a hometown that I I left. So, you know, so recently I had um, I had left to finish shooting the book in New York. And I think that Thursday it happened, mm. or it was the Wednesday, that Wednesday or Thursday okay. it happened. And then um, a couple days later, you know, and then my whole set, I have all these amazing Asian artists on set. And so it was a moment of, and we had to get shit done, you know? So it was a moment where we could, we were all falling apart, but we had to kind of finish this thing. And so in in, in finishing the thing, it, it just felt like a real moment of Asian joy and a celebration. And suddenly the book felt so much more political. Mm. I was like, wow, um, these, there are people out there who don't want me to exist and who don't want these people to exist. So I need to, um, I don't know. And so, uh, yeah, even that last day, it's like that pressure valve again. That last day, I just burst into mm. tears when my photographer walked up to me and, you know, hugged me. And I don't know. I think about that all the time because I, I think people don't know what we're holding inside mm-hmm. mm. because um, not all of us are just like expressing it very loudly on social. Yeah. Mm. I think there is a, that, that can be a good thing and it's good for a lot of people, but not for me. I like to process in private first and write it out in a, you know, in another way. Right. But I just think, um, yeah, I really, I, I do have to say that, you know, and I guess, you know, this is how I feel. I'm, I know you're supposed to like ask me that, but yeah. I, I think it's the negative stuff that makes the positive stuff feels so much brighter. Yeah. And I think about that all the time. And I think sometimes I worry about um, <laughs> sounding annoy- annoying or cringy. Uh, the last time I was on here, I kept saying this all feels fake, like my career. Because oh, yeah. I had just like started mm-hmm. and right. just gotten that job. And like right, I right. was experiencing things for the first time in my life. And and um, and I think, I think like it's because I think I, I'm able to feel the wind so greatly because I've had so many losses and I think that's really important Mm. and when I say losses I'm not just talking about like career stuff but like you know family and and loved ones and friends and so that's it's all a continuum I think and I've always believed in that and really so when the good things happen I try to really soak it in and yeah so I'm feeling mixed but Mm. um, there's a lot of positive right now to outweigh the negative especially super sunny out and there's the cum trees are about to come out and we get to be, be, be you know, uh-huh. walk the streets and and that was our joke joke last time because uh, we recorded this in the spring in the spring and yeah spring is a yeah it's the one year yeah. anniversary of our podcast recording with eric that's we gotta celebrate yeah. we gotta celebrate that as well as you know honor the tragedy that happened a year ago as well so yeah oh. absolutely no but that yeah, that absolutely. is so Thank you. that is a very poetic and uh i'm glad you said that you know just a reminder that i guess upon self-reflection like it is because of these losses that when you do encounter and achieve these wins it's like so much that much more gratifying and rewarding yeah yeah i yeah i have a story okay now that i'm just telling stories about all the times i've cried but um <laughs> you know, yeah this, we this, need that more this, this is really significant. Yeah. <laughs> oh. this is really significant i've never told this story um and Okay, so my very first piece as a staff writer at the New York Times was about, it was about seaweed. Mm. And I had this creamy asparagus pasta that had a huge shower of keem over mm. it. And it's sort of like a keem, keem, keem pasta. Keem is roasted seaweed. And I just, um, I, was, I was developing that at home. 
And then I had to drive up to New York and I finished the piece like in a motel room. It was just all so crazy. And then I had to chase my my like team back there to like, you know, make it to New York so that we could finish the book shoot. And then the Atlanta shooting happened. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe a week later, my piece came out in print and I just like <laughs> I opened the paper and I just I was so surprised. I didn't know it would look like that, but mm. it was just so big and so <laughs> Oh god, sorry. <laughs> and it was um in like color and mm. it said by Eric Kim and I just felt the weight of everything and it was the the good and the bad, but um I just I was so proud to have like the most Asian thing I could put out yeah. in mm. that moment, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like this is not doing much, but maybe it can like offset some of this horribleness that's happening right yeah. now. So um that that I just like I was bawling in my courtyard. It wasn't even in my apartment because I didn't make it there yet. I was every time I walk cue, I like come in and I let, let her like run around in the courtyard downstairs. And then um, you know, I usually open the paper and read it. And so I was just like crying and I I'm sure there were like I think there were, there's like a kindergarten behind me, or there's like a, a school behind me and some kids were like looking through the fence. We're like, what's that guy? Just like, why is that guy like, just like absolutely holding falling. a newspaper and <laughs> just the first, crying? The first time a lot of them have ever seen an Asian person, they just had some weird. They're all, those Asians are always crying. They're just crying away for some reason. Wait, can I tell you something that your story yeah. reminds me of? Just because you said, because um, you said that the book feels like such a little thing against this, like big backdrop of people hating us and not wanting us to be there. The the drum thing, the Korean drum thing, the reason that makes me cry Mm. so hard every time I hear it is that, you know, when I was growing up, my mom was in this like Korean drum circle and she, I had to go to rehearsals with her because obviously she, that's what we do when you're a kid and your Korean mom (laughs) is not going to pay for a babysitter. And so like, so I went to the drum and then she was rehearsing and afterwards she was like very like, like sweaty and like, and emotional and she was like you know what the song is about the song is uh we used to do this like during the occupation you know when like japan like occupied korea and it was like wow. the lyrics the lyrics are like you're never gonna you're never gonna take us like you're never gonna take me but it was so mm. sad because they already had it was like it was mm. like this really sad display of somebody that had lost and was you know basically being genocided by another group it's like the mm. losing team. But at the last moment, they were standing there like doing this like drum, drumming dance, saying that you're never going to fucking take me, even though they had already lost. And I just feel like that sort of like we are being violated. People do hate us, but we're still standing here publishing a cooking book. Like that's like so yeah. beautiful, you know, in, de- in defiance. It's like you're going to mm. fucking hate. You're going to fucking hate us. But but yeah. like. Yeah. We're going to still be here doing it. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, I think mm-hmm. that that reminds yeah. me of just what you said. Like, it feels so silly. Like, I have, like, a cook a cookbook in this time. But that that's, like, <laughs> that's like the defiant thing. It's like, you're never going to win, you know? It's so, the resilience that tells our story the best. And yeah. I, um, I thought I got all my tears out before this because I have a friend who told me to cry before anything so that I don't do it. So you <laughs> cried already? All out the window. You already cried yeah, this before this? Because... <laughs> well, okay. That sounds yeah, like the thing you know, where they this... say before you go on a first, <laughs> you know the thing where they say before you go on a first right, date, right. you like, you have you to like... jerk off. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just have clarity. That? I've never, never heard that. Oh, the, the post not clarity. Sorry. I learned it on your podcast. So like, you, don't get you high jerk before off. you grocery shop. 
Yeah, like you, uh, you like, jerk off before your first date, so you're not horny, so your mind is clear. <laughs> that's what you did. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and I love that you tied it to a grocery because grocery run because that's exactly true. Um, but I, yeah, I cried because um, the, all of this started to hit me this morning. My book is actually in it was already in its second printing, yeah. and it comes out next week. Comes out in like eleven, ten days, and um. I mean, I got an email this morning with a subject line that said third printing, and I just like lost it because <laughs> I was thinking about um, I was thinking about what that means. That means all these people, um, and it's not just you know, I, I love my readers, you know, they're it's for them, but it was all these bookstores and all these independent businesses, all these people putting their money behind this thing mm. and this thing that's not not a white cookbook. It's not. Doesn't even get to be in the general cooking category because um, it's in the it's considered international because there's a little bit of Korean <laughs> in it and mm. and just yeah yeah I just feel like these things are battles we keep fighting and you know this cookbook has I don't, people don't even know the full story about what it took to get like get this to happen yeah. and um, and what I mean by that is you know the publisher specifically was so supportive throughout. Uh, this process, and I'm not talking about the publisher. I'm talking about other people who were like, "That's you know, no one will care about that." And, yeah. Um. And and it took it took me just like being myself, writing at you know this job, and um, it took that, it took just me doing my work to finally have like these wonderful people who noticed to pluck me out, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to get breakfast?" And mm. then, "Hey, I have an agent who would really like to work with you." Mm. And then it was like it started happening to me and I was really unfamiliar with that feeling because my whole life I had been told that I was like nothing, you know? Yeah. And um, by, by these, um, you know, by white people in these positions of power. And um, so all of this is, you know, this is a really good, um, what's the, the, the best revenge is success or whatever. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. great story, I think. And, and it's something I'm going to tell later, but um, I, I, I want people to know how political this all is, I think. Mm. I, I've always felt that mm-hmm. way. And, and it's just a, it's a, it's a political book. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Damn. I love this. This is, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've expressed this before, but my yeah. guilty pre- pleasure is I, I, I'm getting really, uh, I guess like emotional hearing how validated you feel, Eric. And like, yeah. And, and, yeah. how much like how difficult it was to get this book published and like your entire journey to uh getting to where you're at now and that is like i i the things that make me cry more than anything are like hearing stories of people who've overcome adversity to like obtain their dreams and so for a yeah. period like i would listen to comedy podcasts and like any episode about any comedian who like you know, they they grinded it out, and then finally they get the call that they're on SNL. Mm-hmm. Tears, tears, just like. But any art form, anybody, where it's like, I finally got the thing, and I think I I like I'm addicted to that type of content. I love, and it always makes me cry without fail. And I think it's because I'm like trying to vicariously manifest that that moment for me because it still feels like mm-hmm. I'm like yeah. in the like. In the in the pre in like the the, the pre attainment moment where I'm like oh, I still feel like I haven't like yeah. had that that moment where I'm like yes like that New York Times in print yeah. moment looking back at me, but yeah. yeah hearing this is like really inspiring and it's making me emotional because I'm like fuck 
I live yes. I live for this you did stuff. It. I'm so happy that you did it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think your story also shows thank you for all that by the way. I, I think your story shows that um a measure of success is relative to you know depending on who you are and i think from the outside a lot of people would be like what, what is he talking about he has this huge podcast he's like doing so well he's so hot <laughs> and i just think that um i'm glad you said that because i don't think people realize um where your north star is and mm. it, i realized throughout this whole process maybe only the last two years that it's really just you telling people what your north star mm. is once you communicate mm-hmm. that And that's manifesting. Mm. Yeah. It's manifesting. And then um, it, 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 and it happens. And I had, a, I had a, someone interview me the other day and asked me when I decided I wanted to first be a writer or whatever. And what's really funny is no one really had asked me that before. Mm. And my first answer was, I don't know, last year, like when I got this job. Yeah. I, I've never been like a staff writer. And mm. I felt really, felt a little, felt a little embarrassed because I was like, I hope that answer doesn't sound so annoying. But it's because <laughs> to call yourself a, a writer, it's like I was an editor my whole life. I was yeah. decent at writing. I did, a, you know, but I never, to call yourself, the thing that you've always wanted to do that is a big moment yep. and so, for some people it happens w- way later in their career like when their book is coming yeah, out yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like but then people are but then people, I feel like then people are like oh well you just you just wanted to do this and then you got it they feel like you didn't suffer enough or something but, yeah, but yeah, I have yeah, the same right, thing right. like I've always wanted to be a comedian and I never could say it out loud until like very recently yeah. and and then if i said well i you know like i started relatively early too i started doing comedy like in 2018 and so people are like oh you just started this like you don't like you don't even care about that and mm. i'm like no i've wanted to do this since birth i'm just like i just felt yeah. like i could say it just now or something like that but right yeah, I know yeah. What I mean. yeah. It's ah, true, it's true. we're so happy wow. for you. i'm so excited Oof. about the third printing Thank i don't you. know I, i'm a, oh my god I, I know. like i don't know much about book uh, but i'm assuming that means it's sold out three times so they have to reprint it three times Oof. right yeah, wow i think that's what that means it, it means a few things but wow. yeah, yeah. It, it means that enough people think that it will need that third printing uh, you know which which is really exciting and I don't know if this is crass to say, but it's an Asian podcast, so we can talk about this. But the third printing is when the author starts making money off nice. of it, I think. Oh, <laughs> no, that's nice. all we want to so talk about, the money. Mom, Tell us how much money <laughs> you're mom, making. <laughs> my, mom keeps, my mom keeps asking me, she's like, when do you make money off of this? I was like, I don't know. Just like, Isn't it, wasn't it enough to get the book deal? But um, I am cutting her a check, and she's... Nice. Um, Because I missed her, I missed her birthday because mm. I really suck at birthdays. Me too. And so I was, I was talking to a Kurt. Oh, okay. We should talk about that. But I had a Korean friend be like, "You know why it's hard for you to gift your mom, your Korean moms? Because Korean moms are so unsentimental and don't want things. They just want chandong. They want money." That's so true. I, 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 she was like, she was like, I wasn't gonna say anything, Eric, but last week was my birthday and I didn't get a birthday gift, and I was like. Well, what if I give you? And then I, yeah. I, I told her I give her a cut, and she was like, "Yeah, like that." Like, yeah, I, I, I re- re- redeem myself with, you know, last minute, and I just thought that was really funny. But, yeah, damn, Eric, I feel like I'm, uh, so I'm not. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I put put on my psychic hat here, and I feel like there's a. With this trend, there's going to be a lot more tears coming up than this year because you're going you're to be very busy. You got a book tour. You're going to see the book in stores. That's oh going to be amazing. Ooh. I'm going to be yeah. crying. I'm going to cry then. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Can't wait. Well, <laughs> all we, good you, things. All, all yeah. good things, though. Well, so the, you basically answered the first question we had because we wanted to ask you about what it felt like having this book get, you know, become developed and yeah. then come out during the pandemic. Um, and you obviously. Yeah told us in such a great way and it's so exciting but um there was another topic that we wanted to know 
about you because last time you were here, you're single and now you are in a relationship. Yeah. And this is interesting because <laughs> last time you talked about coming out to your parents and it was very, it was such a beautiful yeah. story and it was like, you know, there's there's a journey there. So I guess this is like, yeah, so how, how is like, what what's that like? Yeah, um, I'm going to, I swear this isn't like advertisement. Oh no, please! But it's your, um, bring, <laughs> show us your book. Plug it. Um, I, I have a nice way to tell this story. Um, I think I told you last time about how my mom and I were in the car, and she finally was able to say the words "namdachingu." Yeah, yeah. Um, "namdachingu" means boyfriend. After we talked about that, yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. After that episode, I went back to my manuscript, and it was still in its editing phase, and I. I had this one recipe. It's an Asian. It's a Korean pear galette. It's really delicious, oh. actually. But oh. yes. um, wow, <laughs> it's really good. It has a it's a salted cinnamon whipped cream that tastes like cinnamon toast crunch. Okay, and then the whole head note. It's it's like a page long. Essay, that sounds right? like a sujunga flavor. That's like my favorite flavor. <gasps> Hell yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Oh, um, let's go. It's it's inspired by that. There's there's ginger and yeah, it's it's sujunga flavored. Oh, so good. Anyway, I um. The whole piece was about my ex-boyfriend who, mm. you know, it was about how, you know, my mom, before we really would talk about this, my, my gayness, she would, she knew that I was going over to a boy's house every night and she would give me gifts to send, you know, to bring to him. Mm. And like a Korean mom, she's like, oh, he's also another young, um, young boy who's living alone. Like, let me, let's pack him some food. Aww. And she always had Korean pears, you know, because I was always visiting in the winter. Yeah. And, um, on my breaks, and um, one day he made a galette out of it, and he shingled the pears in a very beautiful, like mermaid-like way. And it's kind of this one that relationship was really, you know, bad in many ways. But yeah. I, I, I was, ha I wanted, I wanted to like represent the beauty of that relationship in like, you know, in a in a, in a capsule. But after the our episode, I was like, no, he doesn't get to have a page, mm. like, and so I, I changed oh. the end ending of that essay completely to make it about. <sighs> and I also cry. Sorry, I cry when I'm. Um, I'm so cheesy. I'm like a I'm a cheesy crier, and um, <laughs> whenever I think about uh, whenever I think about my boyfriend, um, he just kind of came out of nowhere, and we were both quarantined in Atlanta at the time. Um, we had just moved there, and. I really have this whole essay, you know, mapped out. I won't, I won't bore you with the details, but I want to, like, we were always doing this throughout our lives, mm. we realized. And then, and then in, in, during the pandemic, we both moved back to Atlanta around the same time and we matched on Hinge. Mm. And, I let, and, and, and that's how we met, but we were working on the fourth floor of Chelsea Market. You know, he was working at um, a company I'll just say a company, wow. and, then, okay. and I was working at I, I was working at Food Network at the time, and um, you know, and we were both riding commuting on the AC train, and for like three or four years, and never met, wow. and then and then late later, I also found that he he um, he had already met one of my exes mm. before I had ever met wow. him, and so I, I love this, and then uh, our dads worked you know pretty close to each other back in the early nineties on Buford Highway, and I just. Whoa. I, all these weird, weird things where how people come into your life, it's really beautiful. And But but the essay, what I really want to say about this relationship is that um, I don't, I think the mistake I made with the last one was really believing in the story and being like, oh, this is fate. This is so perfect. Mm. And I actually used to call my ex McPerfect mm. and it was this disgusting kind of amateur relationship. Mm. And mm. whereas this one, I'm like, wow, every day is, um, it's a lot of hard work and it, it, 
love, like relationships and love, they take work and、mm. they take work every day. And and it's actually this conversation about fate and destiny because, you know, fate is it, those are like the gods who like、I、actually don't know that much about Greek mythology,、yeah. but like you know, fate is there. It's all this. It's in the stars, but it's up to the the person, the hero. To、um, I'm not calling myself a hero, but in Greek mythology,、uh, <laughs> it's about the. It's it's the main character who needs to、yeah. um, make the make the destiny happen. Right, right. His actions. So, I、um, I love this. Yeah, I love that metaphor, and that's how I feel about my relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah.、Aww. That sounds like a way more mature way to like look at it. I mean, there、yeah. is fate, but yeah. yeah, it's up to the person. But but you know what? Aren't you both also? <laughs> I feel like yeah. If we're talking about a year late, a year later, where were you a year before? You know. It's true. I'll, I'll let you guys reveal. I don't. Oh, like I don't are we both in relationships? That, well, Brian is very happily in a relationship. How does that feel for you? Um, you know? similarly, currently in the one that I'm in now, it's like you said. It feels like I'm, I'm very happy, but also, I feel like I'm the best partner that I can be. In that,、mm. like, there's there's、mm, so much communication、yeah. that happens, and uh,、mm-hmm. like、yeah. you said, it takes work. It's not like I've always、uh-huh. thought it, of it as like a a puzzle piece. Like you're gonna meet this perfect、yeah. person that's perfectly compatible, but it's、yeah. more like you're、right. you're building like the relationship is this tertiary thing that you're wor- like building something with、yeah. a partner, and it's like a matter of it's not like a one to one compatibility in so much as it's like. Am I compatible with this person who wants to put as much effort and is just as invested as I am into building this ship called the relationship? And、yeah. I think in that sense, it's made me.、Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very lucky to have a partner who is so compassionate and so empathetic, and really makes me feel、uh, comfortable and seen, and just being really vulnerable and about like. Everything, because that's、yeah. the irony of it. Is like I have I host this podcast where it's about like vulnerability and being having feelings, but I'm so shy and like、mm. can be really, really like difficult when and 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 expressing like my real feelings in the context of a relationship because I'm I always have this fear that I'm going to like upset a partner or something. But、mm. um, so I'll, I'll like. Suppress some of my emotions and be a people pleaser, but、uh, yeah, this, I'm very happy because、uh, my, my my girlfriend right now she she brings that out of me where it's like it's not a matter of like pleasing one person like it's it's、yeah. like you just be yourself and be yeah honest and like then we can like work through it together and it's not like you're on your own on this thing. Yeah, I feel、so、like、good. you both have similar.、Um, Similar like realizations in these new relationships, and I've、um, yeah, it's like a realistic approach, and you're like, oh, this is like what a relationship is. I'm also in a relationship, but it's very like it's long distance, and、mm. um, that which is like the, for the first time in my life, that's what I'm doing, and I've never done that before, so it's like it's very hard, and like I've only yeah. recently yeah. given myself room to really. Be vulnerable in relationships. It's only been a few years、um, where I, like Brian said, like、yeah. for the first time in my life, I'm coming to them as myself, and so this is like a first <sighs> time for me to deal with this sort of 
difficult. It's, it's like this other thing, like what I said about my mom getting COVID. <laughs> so many people say my yeah. parents have COVID and you're like that. Okay. That sounds horrible. Whatever. You don't really <laughs> know how that feels, but then somebody will be right. like, I'm in a long yeah. distance relationship and I, I'm like, shut up. Who cares? Like, that's not hard. <laughs> like why? Shut the fuck. Who cares? Who gives a fuck? And now that I'm doing it, I'm like, it's yeah. so hard. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Does that mean like, yeah. I feel like I'm like, I, I guess it's hard to like really understand something until you're going through it. And I, I feel like yeah, that's me that's being common. a narcissist, but it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to be, you know, it's it's hard. You know, I, I try very hard to like feel what other people are feeling, but until it happens to you, yeah. it's just really hard to fully understand how that feels. <laughs> I think, you know, for sure. But even it, even you just saying that, though, shows how empathetic you are. I, I think I've always felt this way when I'm listening to your podcast. I'm like, man, Brian and Youngmi are so emotionally intelligent. That's why they're so good at this. And Youngmi should be a therapist. Uh, <laughs> I? Well, Brian, Brian I should to. too. But I think Youngmi should be a therapist. You should. But um, sorry, my point is that I wonder if empathy doesn't necessarily mean that you have to feel what they're feeling, but that you care about what they're feeling. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so you're someone who who's always good at like trying to be in people's, you know, walk in people's shoes. And it's and it's super emp- empathetic to be like, I can't understand what that or you're going through. Like, for instance, when something really violent happens to a, a huge group of people, it's like what's actually really helpful is when a friend or an ally is like, I have no idea what you're going through right now, but I just want you to know that I'm, I'm here for yeah. you and I, I'm thinking about you. And um, there's a, there's a, it's a fine line between like sympathy and empathy. Yeah, but totally. the good I, line, I think, I think you know, I have to think, I, I have to think, I have to say that I don't know if it's, I have this thing where I feel like everyone feels the same exact way that I do. And I know that's wrong, but like, I kind of feel like for a lot of people, it's very dishonest to be like, I know exactly how you feel, even though I've never experienced that. Like, yeah. I feel like that's a little dishonest. And I think it's, it's me being very, very, very honest here and being like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of shitty at like, really understanding what things feel like until they happen to me and i you know yeah. i'm sorry I'm, yeah. Human. yeah 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 it's human um eric so before every episode uh you know young me and i we like to ask our guests if there's anything they want to discuss and mm. you know usually our guests will be like oh no whatever like let's just wing it let's go for it but uh you mentioned that you wanted to discuss body issues as a recipe developer Okay, so I wanted to talk about this because, first of all, I feel comfortable enough to talk about it here, and mm. um, I know Young Youngmi has brought it up, you know, a few times, and so I know that I'm just curious also to know what you guys would think about this. But um, as recipe developers, we don't really have many opportunities to talk about our in- like talk about this. This is such a meta, like navel gazy thing. Like no one, no one would care, but. I, I talk about it with my friends all the time, mm. my other um, food media food media friends, and how it's this really Sisyphean kind of toxic cycle of you're asked to develop recipes, you have to taste them, you have to eat them, and then you have to um, finish eating them. By the way, because you're cooking all this food, <laughs> and then you have to, and then you have to, you know, go on camera and smile and and be in videos. And so when you met me, I was at the beginning of my kind of journey, and I. Um, I started, I was in like a couple of videos and and then the next couple of videos, I was maybe five pounds heavier. The next couple of videos, I was 10 pounds heavier. And then later, eventually I was like 15 to 20 pounds heavier. And, mm. you know, my, my, my mom was, is always very, you know, pretty supportive. And she's like, I like the way you look when you're a little heavier, but it's sort of the fact that they, she said like heavier. And then mm. friends who are like, yeah, nice and chunky uh, in this video or oh like, God. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't blame them, but 
it's front of mind for me. So when people mention it, it feels just so horrible. And and I want to also, I've also been exploring this a lot because of my relationship. I, I really appreciate my boyfriend for listening. And, and, you know, I used to just like keep it in for so long, but now I get to just, I have someone I can trust who I get to tell how I'm feeling. And, you know, what happens to me is people are like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, where, where's your fat going? Like, and I don't think people realize that body dysmorphia is just, it's not like, it's not, I'm not saying I'm, you know, one word or another. It's that my image of myself is not what I like and what mm. I want, want to be. And I think because before I started food media, I, um, you know, I was like 120 pounds and now I'm, you know, much heavier. Mm. And I'm, I'm finally starting to get to a place where I'm like a healthy body image is actually maybe might be just being okay with the, the heavier weight. And mm. now I'm trying to lean, lean into the, I'm trying to lean in, but you know, and we joke all the time, my <laughs> we joke all the time about how maybe now I'm not no longer a twink and I'm a daddy, but um, <laughs> it's, it's mostly, it's mostly a joke. It's mostly a joke, but I, I just think that we don't, no one talks about this. Mm. No one talks about it. And because no one talks about it, everyone feels so alone. Um, with regard to this. I just really think that people should talk about their body issues when they work with food because to divorce the food from the context is never a good idea in my opinion. And mm. um, I, don't, I don't know what else I want to say about this other than that I just, I've always wanted to say this and I don't know why, but I think by saying it out loud, I'm able to kind of move a step forward and feel better about my body and the way I look and especially as someone who just has to eat food every day. Yeah. Well, because like for food media people, the whole thing about food media is that you're supposed to look like you're having fun and you don't care about those things. And this is me eating food and who cares? Like I'm like, who cares about weight and all those things? But that's like, obviously that's a human being that is like, you know, when you're recipe testing, you're like making something over and over again. You're eating something five times and obviously the weight is like, Coming out, and I, I just, you know, as somebody that also suffers from body dysmorphia, I, I feel like it's, it's so hard to explain to people that nothing that you're saying is actually mm. helping me. Like when they say, "Oh, well, where did you gain twenty? Yeah. I didn't see. I don't mm. see twenty pounds on you, or like, uh, or like be, or like your mom being like, oh, I like it when you're a little heavier.' And like people think that it's like, uh, positive, but the the way that you, I, for me personally, like just having weight on me is like has been drilled mm. into me all my life that it's such a negative thing that it doesn't matter if you if you're saying it in a positive way. I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna yeah. spiral about it. And, and not to psychologize yeah. myself too much, but there is a bit of a gendered thing to this. Yeah. Um, you know, right. a lot of people think that this only happens to women, which is crazy. Like uh, right. it happens to men, men as well. Mm. And I'm not saying like yeah, happens yeah, to all I, men. Oh yeah, I would say I, ha- everyone, I think everyone, every gets, human. Sorry, <laughs> this is me. Yeah, well, this is what I. This is me. Like thinking everyone feels the same way that I do again. But yeah, I think all, men get it so. M- and uh. you know what I notice? A lot of men that are straight men get eating disorders and body dysmorphia through being with re- in relationships with straight women. Mm. Like they will live, they will like cohabitate with like a straight woman mm. after five years and they will pick up because like so many straight women have 
eating disorders and body dysmorphia and yeah. unknowingly we'll just say shit like throughout the day like oh i shouldn't have eaten that or oh i look like yes. shit or whatever right. and i've seen a lot of their partners pick i've seen that happen so many times including my ex-husband Whoa. that i feel like he he like picked up a touch of that for wow. me wow. um but also yeah like but obviously like what you brought up like twink like now i'm the joke that you have like now i'm a daddy and i'm not a twink it's obviously a huge factor in like the gay community right yeah and yeah and so the point isn't to be like men feel this too i don't think men need any more empathy but like i'm saying that you know it's it kind of it's actually opposite for 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 me anyway um growing up i was too skinny and i was always Mm. like forcing myself to eat and my you know and people would be like god like is that all you eat or and i'm like you actually didn't see that huge you know, stew, I just scarfed mm. down. I'm like a fucking 14 year old boy. I, of course I'm skinny. And like, um, yeah. and, and, and then, you know, you're not, you're not manly enough because you're not, um, you don't have muscles and you're right. not. And so I remember just working so hard to try to get an ounce of muscle. Uh, I wanted breasts so badly. Like, you know, yeah. like I wanted man boobs. Yeah. So bad, or, sorry, that's, not the, that's not the right word. I want pecs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but then, well, then what I, what's, what's really ironic yeah. now is instead of pecs, now I have like man boobs and like it happened later. And, uh, and now I'm too, f- you know, heavy for, to be a, like a man or something. And I just, so it's, it's yeah. a very complicated feeling where I, I'm glad that, you know, now that there's language to describe it, I'm able to sort of talk my way, way out of it or, you know, write my way out mm. of it. And, and also, you know, try to have a healthier lifestyle where I'm working out. And, but I just think that, I don't know, I feel like it was always like an uphill battle. And th- the main thing that everyone wants to tell you is you're always going to love the way you look like a year ago and you need to just be happy with the way you look now then because you know i i would i would love to be as skinny as i was when i was 17 but i'm not 17 anymore so i don't know and but when you were 17 you were feeling bad about looking skinny yeah i know exactly. literally when you have wild. body dysmorphia it's everything That's body feels dysmorphia. bad That's body. <laughs> yeah it always feels bad so yes so for me it's been a, it's been a journey of fixing my mental state because right. yeah. I, I realized it was like a pathological mental state and looking back at pictures of me now i'm like throughout my life where i felt like really bad about my body i was like dude i look fucking fine like, <laughs> yeah. i have to i have to fix that i have to fix that part you know it's like mm-hmm. the question i always think about this question when i think about body dysmorphia like would you rather have a magical thing where you could eat whatever you want and be the weight that you want or would you rather have this magical thing where you could look whatever however however and you would always be very happy with how you looked like which one would you choose and everyone's like i want i want to be the one that i can eat whatever i want and be the weight that i want Mm. but it should actually be the other one because that's you do you know what i mean right yeah, yeah. Because even if thing. I was the weight that I wanted, I have body dysmorphia, so yeah. I'd be fucking so unhappy. Right. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about yeah. the psychology, yeah. and it yeah. and it's it's so unreasonable, and there's no logic to it. Because I have a story. Like, I feel like okay today. I mean, I'm looking at myself in the camera, and I'm like, I want a lot of different things to happen. But um, last night, I, I was you know FaceTiming my my boyfriend. He's not he's not live with me. I was like, yeah, I, I feel so sexy today (laughs) i feel really pretty and and he was like well well, you are pretty i've always thought you were pretty and then but then i was like but this is the body dysmorphia i I hate the picture that came out 
in this article today. Of it's like mm. a profile profile of me, and mm. what's really really crazy is I had to realize that that picture was actually taken only a 24 hours prior to me saying that I felt pretty. So like, what the hell? Mm. Like, it's really just how I feel about it, mm. not what's actually happening. It's so wild, yep. and it's like a haircut will make a big difference because it'll like. So it's just. I've been thinking about this a lot lately and trying to understand it. And I should probably just get a therapist, but I think <laughs> um, I just want I just want to talk about it because it, I don't. We don't get to talk about this in food because it's mm. food is supposed to be, you know, Pos- like fun. Yeah. 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 Hey, we're eating food. Like it's not supposed yeah. to be like the I good have life. an eating disorder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. And then when you do mention it, people are like, "Well, never trust a skinny chef." I was like, "Fuck that." Like, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> okay. Well, Eric, uh, thanks so much for sharing that and for being so vulnerable with us thus far. But you know, since we last recorded with you, we also made some changes to the podcast. We made a little some format tweaks. So we're going to jump right into these next set of questions where we get to learn a little bit more about you on a deeper level. And the first thing we want to know, Eric, is what is something you're loving right now? Oh, I'm really loving popcorn. Um, it's uh-huh. sorry. This is maybe a dumb answer, but it could be a helpful. No, I love it. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> I love it. Could be a could be a helpful answer for people. I'm such a snacker for a lot of reasons, but I'm a snacker, especially at like midnight. And um, you know, I just think that this is it's ironically stemming from. I don't want to call it the body dysmorphia, but it's from wanting to like get ready for a book tour and meeting all these people and being in mm. all these pictures and stuff. I hate having my picture taken. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought I'll just like get in front of it. But then I fell in love with popcorn. I used to think it was such a dumb snack. Like I was like, ugh, popcorn's so boring. But when you just use yeah. your own spice blends, it's so delicious. Like my latest obsession is just the Hidden Valley Ranch packet. <laughs> Yo, Ooh, that's so smart. And then a shit ton of nutritional yeast, and nutritional yeast yes. isn't. Yeah, it's not yes. taking the place. It's not taking the place of cheese. <laughs> it's just fucking good. And young me is like duh duh duh, <laughs> but it's like uh, <laughs> Add, I, I'm so yeah. late to this, and um, it's really changed my life. My my latest obsession obsession is nutritional yeast and furikake. It's like really. Ra- yes, ra- the hurricane <gasps> popcorn. Oh. Have you had that? No. What is that? No. Okay, so so in Ho- it's a Hawaiian oh. thing. I hope there's a Hawaiian person listening because I'm so proud of my food knowledge. <laughs> there's it's a Hawaiian. Okay, in Hawaii they have this thing called hurricane popcorn where it's furikake and I think it's just like a lot of butter mm. and maybe yeah. like a little soy. I- I'm not sure. Like so, if you know, please let us yum, know. But like yum. sometimes they put sembe like those rice crackers mm. in and like I think. My my go to is peanut M and M's. Like you can put whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like a popcorn, yeah. but I, but I think the traditional one is for kake butter and uh, sembe. It's so I'm gonna find some and send it to you, Eric. Yeah, and because it's it's blow okay. It sounds great. I think I've heard of that, but it's you know popcorn as a as kind of like a canvas for whatever you're feeling that day. So it feels really fun to just be like, I'm feeling Doritos today. And so it's chili powder and nutritional yeast. And nice. it's like Dorito. it tastes like Doritos. And then you get to the bottom and you're just like licking your finger being gross. And like, you know, just like, because there's all that nutritional yeast at the wow. bottom. And, you know, the calorie count is low, but that's not why I'm eating it. Or hopefully it's in the for, the <laughs> it's for the taste. It's for the taste. It's for the taste. I'm loving this response snack. because I'm a big snacker yeah. like you. Mm, Regardless of what yeah. it is, I have to eat something at midnight. Yeah. And sometimes it's yeah, twenty piece chicken McNuggets from McDonald's. Yes. Other times <laughs> it's a shinamion, but yeah. popcorn. I've, I I think I'm for the past four months I've not even kidding, I'll eat a, a bag. Like I'll eat popcorn every night with nutritional oh, me, yeast. Me too. <laughs> popcorn gang. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Eric, what is, conversely, what is something you're hating right now? <gasps> Sorry, I actually didn't prepare for this, um, which means the answers will be very spontaneous. Um, I forgot that there was a lightning round. I'm hating... <laughs> well, okay. <clears throat> what I'm re- This is a really boring answer, but it's the first thing I can think of. What I'm really hating is the drilling that's going on in, on my floor. So I, 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 love my bu- <laughs> mm-hmm. I love my building otherwise, but it's just such a New York thing where like, you know, you have to like, listen to other people's sounds. And I'm just such a hermit, and I love my apartment. I love being alone. Mm-hmm. And so to have your space be interrogated and like, just totally it feels like an invasion of sound that sounds awful but <laughs> it's like I love sound, it. Sound, yeah. sound pollution and it's, you know it's been two weeks and so but the, the the upside is i've been going into the office more and to mm. get work done and because i'm doing interviews like this i need the sound to be okay and um the drilling drilling is really bad because it's it's like physical like it's truly just sh- yeah, shaking yeah. your physicality and i think it's like you know, eating away at my mental health, and but um, I'm, I'm trying to adapt adapt yeah. by just it's always like make lemonade, like go to a cute coffee <laughs> shop, and I don't know, do dumb shit like that to be like, if I didn't have this horrible drilling in my apartment all day, I would um, I would not be in this adorable coffee shop. Yeah, I feel like people, you know, that don't live in New York don't understand the detriment of like what construction is like <laughs> because it's like. First of all, it's on every single block. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're walking home, yeah. every block is devastatingly loud. Yeah. And then you get home and you're like, fucking finally. And <laughs> then they start drilling. And then, and like, because I have a construction area in front of my building and they start, for some fucking reason, they start every day at 7 a.m. and then they're done at like 9.30. I'm like, why don't you just start at like noon? <laughs> and d- if you're only going to work an hour and a half, it's just like seven to yeah. eight thirty, like the time you don't want it to happen. Oh. But it's like, yeah, it's like yeah. I totally get it. But anytime I'm gonna be a Korean mom about this, because this is what my mom always says. She's like, <laughs> "Well, you fucking live and you chose to live there." Uh, <laughs> I thought you were like, gonna say. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, "Well, you should have been up by now. It's seven a.m." So. <laughs> my, oh yeah, that too. That my mom was always like, "Come back to Texas. <laughs> yeah, you should yeah. visit more. Anyways, it's quiet here." Um, yeah. but, uh, Eric, this is okay. So for our listeners, uh, Eric's, if you want to hear Eric's response to this next question, you're going to have to, uh, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And Eric, here's our next juicy question for you that we keep behind the Patreon paywall. What is something you're ashamed of? Ooh, man. I've never said this to anyone in the entire world. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. And that's where you cut. Wow. That's where you'll cut it. And okay, then people great. will <laughs> get <laughs> anyway. Um, sorry, it's, it's probably that's going to be disappointing in real life now. But um... <laughs> well, Eric, uh, thank you so much for providing such a scintillating and juicy answer <laughs> that people who haven't subscribed to the Patreon are definitely going to miss out on. Yeah, um, I've never cried. Wow, I've never yeah. cried that hard in my life. Yeah. You know the drill. You're a friend of the podcast. We want to ask you this one last question before we let you go, and that is, what is something that you're proud of? Okay. This one I actually wrote down because I want to be really um, legitimate about this, or um, that's not the word I want to use. I want to be deliberate about this. So this whole book, getting it was a process, and it's not that I had to convince my publisher. What I actually want to say is that the publisher believed in me 
when I was like a, no, a mm. nobody. I had like 30k followers. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's like you know a lot for like. Mm-hmm. I only had thirty thousand <laughs> followers on Instagram. No, what that's a like flex. A, uh, well, but in in book publishing, you know, a lot of people. I've heard a lot of POC get this. They're like, "Well, you don't have a big enough following. Like, you're not a five hundred k food influencer. You know, whatever." And I, I really, I, yep, I always yep. believe that, like, if just if I just focused on the quality of my work, then maybe you know the quantity would come later. And I've always led my life that way in my career yeah. in the last couple of years. And I, I was, I'm really lucky that I had a publisher who was like. This is actually an investment. We're going to, you know, they really believed in me and they really believed in the book and and my story and they yeah. just wanted to write do something with me and they, you know, they invested and and then I I reached 100k recently on Instagram and um mm-hmm. in in a, in a mm-hmm. year in a year and I think and I, I'm also like selling you know I'm selling books and I also just mm-hmm. want that I want to say this to help. Other people know that like you should focus on the quality because um, th- I don't know. Just like don't let anyone tell you that because your follower count is lower that you're not gonna, you know, you're not worthy. It's like such a stupid measurement, and publishers need to stop doing that because it's always like this. When you just focus on the work and the person and see them as a whole thing and not like what what what's attached to them in terms of like. A social media app that's going to die mm-hmm. in a few years. You know, it's like it's really mm-hmm. important because that's that's yeah. the thing that's going to sustain. And I've always believed in myself. Um, well, it, it took a while. It took like a while, and it took a few people to believe in me for me to really just like finally fulfill, like to finally grow into this thing that I always had an inkling that I had I was capable of. And mm-hmm. um, and you know, and I don't regret the years I wasted because that's like growth you need to gain confidence and it's the confidence that helps you do the stuff yeah. later and i'm just really mm-hmm. i want people to know that um you don't need that many followers to sell a book if you have a really good idea you should just do it yeah 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 you're proud of you that you only had thirty thousand <laughs> followers and somebody wanted to publish your book that's that's a feat <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's uh, i feel like for me it's like um you know leading up to that moment there were people who were like, you don't have enough. And, uh, you know, mm. like there, there were... And th- you weren't discouraged. Yeah. I, yeah, it was, it was, I think I was just lucky that I had people who um, were my cheerleaders and they were like, no, just, just watch. Mm. Like this is going to become something someday. And they invested and it took a few years, maybe like five years, but it like happened. And I'm so grateful to those people. And, you know, they're, they're sprinkled throughout the book because I think, um, I don't know if people realize what a long process it is to kind of get from you know, nothing to like cookbook deal. It's like, it's a lot of hard work and it's, it's a lot of invisible work, I think. And I just, um, mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out this, this is, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words just that I think in my industry, it's just, there's so much value placed on numbers, but you have to just yeah. ignore the You have to ignore the numbers. It's not about the numbers because the, the numbers will come later if you believe in the, the thing and the project. And, um, it's hard to get to that place where you really do believe in yourself. And I'm really proud that I, I finally believe in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm proud of you, Eric, yeah. for believing in yourself. <laughs> no, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm really thank glad you, to hear you. that because yeah. you know, we're like at the end of the day, it's all media and I yeah. go through the same internal struggle all the time where I'm like, fuck, I don't have enough followers. Like maybe yeah. I should start churning out yeah. this kind of content that I'm not even yeah. that excited about, but I know the yeah. masses are going to like it. And it's like, yeah, no, like, Stop yeah. that. Like, just do things that I'm excited about. Like, that's the end. Of, that's, that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, for me, it's that lesson of if you 
uh, it's cheesy, and I have no other way to say this, but it was only recently when I just kind of realized, oh, wow, being myself is what's working. And mm. yep. I'm just, yeah. there's so many yep. people along the way who told me not to be myself and to be something else. And I just, I'm, I can't believe that there were people who are, I, I listened to at all. And so this is, um, I don't know, yeah. this is an ode to that. Just like, yeah, stick to your, stick, you know, hold your ground and kind of, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that resonates with me because I feel like I always just felt like there was no way that I could be successful because there's no way that yeah. I could fit into this box that people were like, don't try to do this thing, be this person. And I'm like, none of those I can do. I can't do that. Yeah. And I was like, I can't be myself either. Yeah. And then I was just like, I, for me, I felt like I had no other option but to be myself. And I was yeah. like, this is it. So if I, if this is... If this hits, then it hits. If it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. Because this is all I got. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's why there's this really cheesy song that I listen to sometimes. It's uh, This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. <laughs> it's the biggest <laughs> hype. It's such a, it's the biggest hype song because it's it's about, you know, just, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think everyone likes to think of themselves yeah. as, the, as the underdog. And there, there's probably a moment where you're no longer the underdog. But I think that's the point. It's like mm. the underdog thing is a relative term and um, relative to whom and as long as you're you have a nice sense of your surroundings and you surround yourself with supportive people and good friends and I just realized the whole picture is just so much more important than a number and that feels really good to me yeah mm-hmm. mm, I love that well Eric what a great message thank you for <laughs> such a wonderful update and I'm you know it's it's so fucking awesome to see you succeeding and now you know with your cookbook there's just gonna be so many more people who are gonna become fans of you and it's such well deserved yeah it's so so well deserved and uh we're so proud of you we're very proud of you that's what will make me (laughs) (laughs) but um for for our listeners who may not be familiar with you or your online work where can they find you um i am on eric chunho j-o-o-n-h-o everywhere yeah and And, oh oh, and the new york times i guess yeah (laughs) And and your book, Korean American, which will be out when this episode airs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's sold wherever books are sold. Actually, I was, I've always wanted to say that. Do you have a preference? Do you have a preference? Oh, you always want to say. Sorry, I like cut you off. You're like that. <laughs> that was my dream. Just, that line. I've always wanted to say that, and I was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you want to say it again? <laughs> say the line again, Eric. Your dream. Go, go for it. Sold wherever books are sold. Sold wherever yes. books are sold. <laughs> <laughs> um, Young me, what, what was your question? You? Young me was oh. going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, do you have a pre- do you have a preference like where people buy the book? Because I know people hate Amazon and stuff. Or you don't. You're like I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, I actually do have a preference. Thank you for asking. Um, support your local bookstores. Yeah. That's those are the people who are supporting authors, and so it's kind of like this wonderful mm-hmm. life cycle where supporting the indie bookstores. Are, is actually how you support the author. So t- you buy it at your local bookstore. Yeah. And where can they find you online, Young Me? Uh, YM Mayor and Young Me Mayor on TikTok. How about you, Brian? You guys can find me online at It's Brian Park. And be sure to follow us, the podcast, online at Feeling Asian Podcast uh, across all social channels. It's time to do some Patreon shout outs for this episode. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening and supporting to the podcast. But if you're looking for more ways to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Check it out. We have a lot of different subscription tiers, but any donation amount gets you a shout out on this podcast where we give you a shout out 
can guess who you are as a person based on your name alone. And without further ado, our first shout out for this episode goes out to Delfina. Delfina, Delfina, Delfina. Sounds like the title for a hotly anticipated new Pixar movie. So I am going to guess that you are a storyboard editor for Pixar. Actually, that's a sick job. Okay, Delfina. So you're crushing it. Pixar is an amazing company to work for. You get great benefits, great pension, I'm sure. But most importantly, you are supporting the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next shout out goes out to Aaron Hong. Aaron, I you are a crypto bro. Yeah, I don't think we've I don't think we've uh, identified anyone as a crypto bro yet, but we know that some of you listeners out there are partying on a yacht somewhere in St. Bart's with millions of dollars in your Coinbase account or whatever it is. But in any case, Aaron, you're a crypto bro. That's my assessment of you. And thanks for supporting the podcast. Uh, next shout out goes out to Sonia S. Sonia, you are a... Oh, Sonia, you're an art therapist. Yeah so clear so concise it's a vision and please let us know if my guess is correct art therapist final answer uh next shout out goes out to julia zhang julia you are a hustler and entrepreneur through and through i'm gonna guess that you inherited the family business and then expanded it to a point where you have uh generated 10 times more gross revenue god these are such terrible shout outs this is so boring oh my god i'm sorry if i'm totally on base i'm sorry but but thank you for supporting and our last shout out goes out to mindy yoon uh mindy 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 i'm getting seattle for some reason um i'm going to guess that you are a, uh, a a nature and wildlife conservationist in Seattle. So um, all of your friends love to visit you because you know all of the best hiking routes and just know how to have a great time and are a wonderful person to be around. Yeah. Wow, this is a great bunch. Well, in any case, uh, everyone, thank you for supporting the podcast. And uh, once again, if you'd like to do so, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And yeah, I think that's the it. YouTube channel. Yeah. Patreon. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.